salvation. I see revival fire in the land. I see the lost, nameless ones remembered. I hear the widow shouting out your praise. I see the parentless loved and celebrated. Orphans fulfilling, Lord, the calling on the lives we say. Yeah. 
and we just want to welcome everyone here today. Amen. Suzanne, if you put on those lights for me, and uh, we'll uh, get ready to start this morning. Again, just want to say uh, thank you and welcome to uh, everyone watching online today. Uh, we want to say we miss all our CFC family members. We wish everybody could be here. Uh, hopefully, we're heading in that direction, possibly beginning of next month. We may be able to have 50 people to start with. Uh, we don't know yet, so just uh, keep up with that news. I want to say hello to everyone watching for the first time also. Uh, again, if you're watching right now, it's on Facebook. Uh, so just stay on our Facebook page for updates with this uh, virus uh, thing going on. We do ask that you specifically go to our church page. Uh, don't rely on it coming to your news feed because uh, sometimes it doesn't do that. So uh, log on to the CFC Christian Fellowship Church page and uh, keep up to date with everything that's going on. So again, um, Wednesday nights right now, we're still just doing prayer at home. So if uh, everyone watching on Wednesday night, 7 p.m., just take a time out and uh, find yourself a, a, a prayer closet and uh, pray again as we had been praying all year. Uh, also, uh, at 1 o'clock this afternoon, uh, New Generations Children's Church will be uploading their uh, Sunday morning service for New Generation, so uh, get your kids to watch that. It'll be on this page and on their page. A couple other things is my sister's heart. Uh, Mother's Day meeting will be uh, a broadcast on this Friday, April 24th, at 6 p.m. on the uh, Facebook page. So uh, ladies, make sure you all t uh, tune into that. And also, uh, just want to wish everyone having a birthday, a happy birthday. If you're having a birthday between now and next Sunday, what I want you to do is post on the Facebook page right now saying, me, I'm having a birthday, so we can tell you happy birthday, uh, everyone else. And if you're having an anniversary between now and next Sunday, just put anniversary that they know they're uh, there. We want to celebrate with you. Uh, I want a piece of that cake that y'all eating, but I can't, uh, can't get near you. So <laughs> just want to, uh, again... Welcome everyone watching online. Uh, we want to go ahead and receive our morning tithe and offerings this morning. And with, uh, just to make you aware of how you can turn in your tithes and offerings. And I do want to say a very big thank you to all those who have been faithful throughout this thing that has been mailing in their uh, tithes and offerings, uh, putting, sending them online and dropping them off on Mondays. So uh, again, if you want to give online, uh, you can use your credit card online, go to www.welcometocfc.com, and you'll see where they have online giving there. Or you can mail it through the regular post office at to po post office box 1427, La Rose, Louisiana, 70373. They will not deliver it to our uh, physical address. You need to send it to the post office box. Or you could just drop it off on Monday from on Mondays from 9 to 2. Uh, our Office number is 985-798-7712. We have uh, the office is open on Mondays from 9 to 2, and uh, you could drop it off anytime there. So I just want to read a couple of verses of scripture for our offering this week. It says, Romans 12, 3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. And Hebrews 11:6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists 
and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So if you have your offering right now, you could take it in your right hand, hold it up, and repeat after me today. Say, as I give in today's offering, I have faith in the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who has given us his infallible word, the God who has promised and never breaks his word. I have faith in my God who shall supply all that is needed when it is needed. He is never late and never early, but always on time, every time. I choose to put my trust in the Lord again today, right now. And everyone says, amen, amen. We're going to have our call to worship this morning, and then we're going to be starting worship service. So if, if, if we would put this on the screen, uh, wait, we got the wrong thing. Wrong notes. Amen. There we go. Psalms 100 verses 1 and 2 says this. On your feet now and applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into his presence. And we jump down to verse 4 where it says, Enter with the passwords. Thank you. We enter into uh, its presence with, with thanks and praise. It says, Make yourselves at home uh, talking praise. Thank him and worship him. Father, we just come to you right now. Father, I just pray that your spirit be in this place and in each and every home that is watching uh, this this morning, Father God, as we get ready to worship you, Father God. Father, we just pray right now, Father, for these musicians. Father, I just pray that every note that is played, every word that is sung be anointed, Father God. We pray that your anointing touches each and every one watching, Father God, that every blind eye be open this morning, Father God to the truth of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says, amen, amen. Stand to your feet and let's worship.
while with him trying to create so much fear in people. Those of you who are experiencing that fear right now, I want you to put your hands on your head. I want you to begin to say, my mind is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And let the enemy hear you. My mind is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I personally had to do that to myself this week. My mind is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and nothing that you let in can be penetrated. If you don't entertain the thoughts, the thoughts cannot penetrate your mind. You don't have to entertain that fear anymore. But when those thoughts come, when the fear comes, when the unknown comes, put your hand on your mind physically and say, my mind is a temple the Holy Spirit and the devil you have no control over what goes in and what goes out because God is in control you have no authority tell him you have no authority because my mind is a temple of the Holy Spirit if we let him control our thoughts today if we let him bring that fear that he's trying so hard to put on people your whole being. Don't let it. Every time it comes, put your hands on your head and say, my mind is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Confess and proclaim and prophesy that because the Bible and the Word says it. My mind is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Find Him with the Word of God because the Word of God says it. My mind is a temple of the Holy Spirit fight you with the word of God. He can't fight you with the word of God. When Jesus fasted in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, he fought the enemy with the word. He fought the enemy with the word because the enemy cannot deny the word of God. And the word of God said, my mind is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So whatever it is that's bringing you fear, whether it be what's going on or just anything going on, anytime, even after all this is over, remember, put your hands on your head and say, my mind is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and nothing can penetrate it that you do not allow. Because God is in control. Amen. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, oh, you're in control today. You're silencing everything. Oh, Jesus. Your word does not return void. It holds true to the end of time. Jesus.
God is for you. Who can be against you? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Those that are here and at your home right now, just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Uh, as they're turning on the lights here, I just want to mention a couple things. Um, I just want to be clear uh, what I mentioned earlier. I was thinking uh, next week is still April, so the uh, it still will just be live stream only next Sunday morning. Uh, we're only allowed 10 people in the building, and uh, we're having like seven of us just for the filming and music thing and soundboards and things like that. Um, we're hoping in May that it switches to 50, but right now it still is 10. They did not switch it, so uh, I don't want 50 people showing up uh, May 1st uh, thinking that they switched it if they did not yet. So uh, again, just stay, pay attention on Facebook and things. Uh, stay up to date with those uh, news articles there. Uh, again, I don't know if uh, those of you watching online, and I don't know if you noticed anything. We did move one of the cameras a little bit closer to see if it helps with the images. Um, so if you were there a while ago saying, boy, Brother Scott looked like he got fat with this uh, thing. It's just the camera's close. I've always been this fat, so don't worry about that. <laughs> the camera's a lot closer. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. So if you would, if you have your Bibles, open it to Luke chapter uh, 24. I just want to share uh, something the Lord had put on my heart this week as I was reading. And, uh, you know, as, as we're going through this time and uh, with this virus and uncertainty, a lot of times what happens in chaos, in times of emergency and chaos and turmoil, Sometimes we can lose focus of what's really going on and the real truth and those things. And God kind of laid on my heart this message uh, uh, this morning as I was reading. Basically, on Monday, I just wanted to read again about, you know, what was happening. It was Easter Sunday last Sunday, and I just wanted to read again about the resurrection. And, and that's where uh, it, God started dealing with me with this uh, message. And so I just want to begin... I'm, I'm going to read uh, from Luke chapter 24. So if you have your Bibles, open it to Luke chapter 24. Those of you that are here that have the notes, uh, that's on the bottom half of your page. I just want to read this whole section, and then I'll come back and uh, start explaining it. And I'll, I'll actually tell you uh, where we got this, this title from. So notice what it says uh, on Luke chapter 24, verse uh, 1 says, On this first day of the week, very early in the morning, this is talking about the resurrection of Christ, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Now the spices they prepared was for burial. It says, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered the tomb, they did not, what, find the body. In other words, what they were looking for. What, what their preconceived notion was that, that Jesus' body was still there. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, they, they were confused. It says, suddenly, two men cold with, uh, that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down uh, with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, and these are believed to be angels, said, 
why do you look? And that's where I kind of got the title from there. Was, in other words, they were telling, what are you looking for? Why are, why are you here? What are y'all looking for here in the tomb? And then he goes on to say, uh, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day, raise again. And verse 8 says, then they remembered. And that's what I want to focus on when I was thinking about that. Then they remembered. What happened that all this turmoil that they went through, remember we talked about Palm Sunday, they're all celebrating, screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, throwing the palm leaves, representing victory of him coming in to one week later, uh, not even one week on Friday, he, he's uh, buried, and on the Sunday he's, he's raised, and all of a sudden they forgot, all that turmoil of that week made them forget the words that he had spoken to them. And then that's what I want to talk about this morning is that so let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we get started this morning father I just come to you today and father I just pray father as we study your word this morning father I pray that every blind eye be open to be able to see the truth this morning I pray that every deaf ear be open to hear the spiritual truths this morning father I pray that every mind father God would be able to comprehend the, the uh, truths of your word this morning and I pray that every heart father God would be receptive to your word today i pray that your word would penetrate even the hardest of hearts today father and we thank you for that in jesus's mighty and precious name and everyone says amen amen so again we're this title what are you looking for and in other words it's when they were going to the tomb they were assuming they were going to find jesus's body there and so many times in life you know, and when you start thinking about why were they assuming they were going to find his body there? Because they seen him crucified, they seen him beaten, they seen him placed in the tomb. So everything, everything that went on in that week, they it made them assume what they would find. But it made them also forget what Jesus had told them. And that's why it's so important that we study God's word each and every day and get his word inside of us. Uh, to help us remember what his word says, what his promises are to us, that no matter how chaotic the world is going on, we can always trust him. He is for us. Just like we were worshiping a while, a while ago, he is for us. We're going to see a victory. Listen, uh, you know, a lot of times we, we talk about, well, what happens if this person passes away? If, listen, if I pass away, don't cry. Shout for joy. I'm going to be in a better place. I won't be suffering from anything. It's in a much better place. You know, sometimes in, in our natural thinking, we think that, oh, when a person passes away, it's horrible. It's the end. No, it's really the best thing. It, it, that is the best gift God could give you, eternal life with him. So as, as we start thinking about this, I want you to uh, look at a few uh, notes here. Uh, those of you that, that are at home, you can just stay in uh, Luke chapter 24. We'll come back to here quickly but in other words what are you looking for what are you expecting to find what were they expecting to find what were their preconceived ideas on the way going to the tomb and we're going to explore that a little bit later this morning but this is what I want you to understand look at uh, Isaiah 55 8 <coughs> verse 8 says for my thoughts are not 
your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And I was thinking about that, is that, you know, what we have our own ideas and thoughts and ways we would solve a problem. But how many of you know that's not the way he does? You see, Jesus even taught us that when, when the disciples asked him, uh, you know, teach us how to pray. And in the Our Father prayer, he says, pray that thy Father's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't say pray for your will to be done, but pray for your Father's will. Why? Because God has a bigger plan and his thoughts are different than ours. So a lot of times what I'm praying for is not really praying what God the Father wants, what he desires. We're praying for our immediate, what we want, how we want it to go. But it's, it tells us in Isaiah that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways aren't like our ways, okay? So we pray for our needs like this, but this is what I always say. It's always a good idea to end, the, end your prayer, with, but God, thy will be done in this situation. Because no matter how you want to solve it, God's way is always better. He may not do it the way you want it to, but in the long run, the bigger picture, it's always better. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts uh, uh, than your thoughts. Think about this in the Bible, how you see this all over. You know, Jesus says, if you want to be first, you must be last. Right? It's always the opposite uh, the way God works, it's always the opposite of, of what we think. Uh, if you want to receive, you must first give. The first shall be last. Uh, give and then you shall receive. It, it always works opposite of what we, in our natural thinking, what we do. So understanding and, and realizing this, that God's plan and purpose, what he was doing that day, raising Jesus Christ, Blew, the, blew those ladies away. It blew all his apostles away, we're going to see too, because none of them thought he was alive and none of them thought he was risen, was going to rise again, although he plainly told them many times that he will rise, what was going to happen. He told them exactly what was going to happen. He'd be traded and, and hung on a cross and on the third day that temple would rise again, that he would rise again. But when we go through turmoil, and, and this is what I want you to understand. When they seen him on the cross, when they seen his body beaten, when they seen him placed in the tomb, all of a sudden they forgot what he told them. And the circumstances surrounding them blinded them to the, the spiritual truth. They, they were walking by sight and not by faith that day. So I want to just show another area where this happens, how we miss what God is doing a lot of times. You know, that, that's, <laughs> you know, I laugh and I'm sorry, but I do when people always want to tell me it's the end of the world. Everything that, oh, the end there, that, then I tell them, well, you just blew the chance of it happening. <laughs> because God's word says that no one knows. The hour. So if you say, well, is this, well, you just blew it. It ain't going to happen then because you think it's there. No man knows. You know, we look at signs of times and this, but reality in the very, Jesus' very own disciples and apostles thought he was coming back in their time. And every generation since thought he was coming back in their time. You know, I always think about uh, if I would have been 
alive in World War II, I would have, you know, when Hitler was doing his thing, surely I would have said, man, this is the Antichrist. What is going on? Surely this is the end times. But it didn't happen then. You see, that, that's why we need to understand that not only is his ways higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts. The Bible also tells us that a day for us is like a thousand years for God and a thousand years is like a day with God. So even time is so different. You know, if you say here in your spirit, God's coming back tomorrow, that may be a thousand years in God's time compared to ours. So we don't know those, those things. So here I want to just show you how Peter was messed up and thinking he knew what was going on and how he missed all this. <coughs> this was a little bit earlier uh, when Jesus washes the, the disciples' feet, what we're, we're all familiar with, and what he was doing was symbolically doing what was going to take place on Good Friday when he'd be killed, and he's washing their feet. In other words, I'm dying for your sins to cleanse you from your sin. And so what he does is Jesus goes on, he, he, it says that he takes off his outer robe and he put, wipes a towel around his uh, uh, waist, and he kneels at his disciples' feet. But then when he comes to Peter and he's getting ready to wash his disciples' feet, look what happens. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? You see, Peter was kind of confused. Jesus, Peter was, well, you're, you're my king. You're, you're the king. This, is, this would be a role reversal. What king washes his servants' feet? But how many of you know that Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but I came to be a servant? And he was, ser now listen, he was serving the will of the Father here on earth, but also serving us as in becoming, uh, uh, washing us clean from sin. And this is what it was uh, symbolic of. So he says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? In other words, you, I'm not going to let you be my servant. I'm not going to let you wash my feet. And in his mind, he was being super spiritual. He was being, man, this is the way, oh, never would I do that. Never would I let you wash my feet. And then he goes on to say this. Jesus replied, and this, this is key. You do not, not realize now what I'm doing. You do not realize, and this is, what I, this is how we actually live life. We're going through something, but we really don't realize what God is doing in your life at the time. So, so many times we would have prayed for a certain thing to happen in our life, and 20 years later you say, God, thank you for not answering that prayer the way I wanted to. It didn't make sense to me back then, but I didn't realize that you needed me to go through that to be where I am now. He says, you do not realize what I'm doing now, but he says, but later you will understand. In other words, what Jesus was telling him, he says, after my death and resurrection, you will, you will understand. You will begin to see what I'm doing here. But right now, at the moment, in this chaos, you're missing it, Peter. Why? Because my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You're completely blowing it. You're not seeing what's happening here. And verse 8, Peter says, No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Again, it was a great... In his eyes, it was, I would never let you come wash my dirty feet. You know, as I would never let you be like a, the lowest person in this household that is the servant, and, and they're taking care of, I'd let you be the butler or the maid in this situation and come wash my feet. Never would I let you do that. I would never put you down like that. But he didn't understand what Jesus was doing. And Jesus tells him this, 
unless I wash you, you have no part in me. And in other words, what he was saying is, unless I wash your sins away by my atoning death, then you will not be saved. There is no salvation. Unless, unless you let me wash away your sin, because he's, early he had said about salvation, with man it's impossible. You can't, you can't wash your own sins away, but he says with God all things are possible. So he says, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Then guess what? Peter was over here at first, no, you can't wash my feet. And he doesn't get in the middle and let's say, okay, Jesus, wash my feet. He goes all the way to the other side. And notice what he goes on to say now. He says, then not just my feet, my hands and head as well. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, this is what I want to do. And he's over here on this side. No, you can't wash my feet. Then if you're going to wash my feet, I want my hand, head and hands as well. You see, what Jesus and God was doing was revealing that he was washing the sins away. But it totally, Peter totally missed it on both ends of the spectrum. And we, we need to understand, that, and that's what I'm talking about, that sometimes we go through things in life that we, most of the times, that we truly don't understand what God is doing. But later on, you do. Amen? <coughs> Let me take a sip of water here. Back to uh, Luke chapter 24. Again, the situation these women find themselves in, the apostles, they had just witnessed Jesus' death on the cross and burial. And when I started reading this this week from Luke, I had a couple of questions in my mind that I, I was, well, this isn't making sense. You know, and, um, but I will take, take you through the four Gospels because the four Gospels explain it better than just in uh, this one passage in Luke. Um, let me just share something a little funny. When I first got saved, I was working offshore. And those of you that are watching from out of state, you would in the world's offshore. Uh, in the Gulf of Mexico on the all-production platform. Uh, first I got saved, and my Aunt Laura gave me a New Testament Bible. And it was about that big, but it was about two inches thick, and it was just the New Testament. And so I said, well, you know what? I'm going to bring it offshore, and every night before I go to bed, I'm going to read a chapter or so. So, first, uh, I started with Matthew. After the first hitch, read that. Next time I come, I start reading Matthew, then Luke. I'm sorry. Well, it kind of sounds familiar to the other one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm like, when, by the time I got to John, it's like, is this two inches of the same stories going over and over and over and over again? But the four Gospels... Although they cover the same time period, what was going on, each writer put in some details that the other ones didn't. And so it's important to read all four Gospels to catch all this, because I was, as I was reading, uh, I had a question uh, uh, that one of the other Gospels explained that wasn't here. It says, on the first day of the week, <coughs> very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. So I want to stop there for a second. Those of you that have the notes right now, you see that little asterisk? That's me that added that asterisk. And that's to let us go to the other notes that you'll see the little asterisk for from the other Gospels that help us explain things. So when the first day of the week, they went up very early in the morning. They took spices that they had prepared and went, and went to the tomb. 
they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And this is what I want to talk about for a second. What do you expect to find? Why were they going with spices and perfume? To anoint the dead body of Jesus. So in their mind, was Jesus risen? No. Although he had told them he would rise, they still did not believe it. They were walking, again, walking by sight instead of faith. Because everything, everything they had witnessed told them he was dead. They seen the body laid in the tomb. But how many of you know that God doesn't work by just what we see? Right? We walk by faith. So notice what it goes on to say. What I want to do is jump to John chapter 19, verses 38 through 40. This is kind of explains this a little bit more. How many remember that when Jesus died, it says later, uh, this is right after the crucifixion, Joseph of uh, Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Okay, now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took Jesus' body. Uh, he was occupied, uh, his, he was, uh, occupied by Nicodemus, uh, accompanied by Nicodemus. How many remember Nicodemus came to Jesus late at night? He was a, a high official with, with uh, the Jewish things, and he was asking Jesus about salvation. How can a man be born again? He asked, can he enter a mother's womb a second time? So in that conversation that Jesus had with him, I truly believe it touched Nicodemus because Nicodemus was with Joseph to bury Jesus' body. You know, I believe something had happened in that conversation. Uh, did Nicodemus truly believe? We, we, we won't know till we get to heaven. He says he was uh, accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Now notice this. It says Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh, aloes and aloes about 75 pounds <laughs> and when i read that i'm just thinking about wow that's a lot 75 pounds i'm thinking you know when you're reading over quick you're thinking oh he had a little bag a little uh thing of this uh, a little pint of oil or something like that but 75 pounds worth of things for to prepare his burial and it says taking jesus's body the two of them, now notice, is, is Joseph and Nicodemus are the ones who actually wrap Jesus' body with spices and strips of linen. And then it says this, this was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. So it's not that they, you know, they took Jesus' body and one, two, three, hurled it in the tomb. You know, that they were going back to re-anoint his body and things like that. They went along with the Jewish customs of, of burial, 75 pounds worth of spices and things, and wrapped his body and buried him. So uh, I want to jump to Luke uh, 23, verse 55 and 56. <coughs> so you know back about these women. It says, the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed who? Joseph. Now, what Joseph we're talking about? Joseph and Nicodemus. So, in other words, when Joseph and Nicodemus got Jesus' body from Pilate, these women were following him. Now, notice what it goes on to say. Uh, 
They came with Jesus from Galilee, followed Joseph, and what did they see? They seen the tomb and his body and, and how his body laid in it. So think about this. They, the stone wasn't in front of the tomb yet. They actually seen his body prepared for burial. They seen his body laid in the tomb. You see, and that's why their circumstances that they seen all through that week, they thought on Easter Sunday that his body was still in the tomb because of what they seen. And then it says, then they went home and prepared spices. Again, what we're reading in Luke, they came to bring spices and perfumes. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. So it was the Sabbath day on the Saturday there that they celebrated was a day they could not do anything. So they had went home to prepare the things, but they didn't go to the tomb because it was the Sabbath. So that very early the next morning, they said, Sabbath's over, it's time to get there and let's anoint Jesus' body. Now, let, let, before we read Mark, I want to read Luke again. Luke 24, 1, 8. 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And when I got stuck on reading there, I was thinking, well, you know, they're coming with spices again to reanoint his body again. So they must think he's there. They're not going to bring it to anoint the, the body of Jesus if he's not there. But then I was thinking, but well, what about the, the stone? How, if they, they're believing he's there... How are they going to get into his body? He, he's he's got a tomb behind him. He, you know, he's got a stone uh, rolled in front of the tomb. So Mark answers this question in Mark 16, 2 and 3. It says, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, this is tying us back there, they were on the women with the things. And they asked each other, who will roll away the stone at the entrance of the tomb. So that goes to point again. They knew that the stone was at the beginning at the tomb, and they, in their minds, Jesus was still in there, still sealed up. And they wondered, we're going with the spices, but who can we get to roll away the stone so we could anoint the dead body of Jesus? So let's get back to Luke chapter 24. Verse 18, verse 1, I mean, on the first day of the week, as, as we laid this groundwork out here, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So would that tell, what were they looking for? The body of the Lord Jesus to anoint. Now I want you to understand this. That they went there and the stone was rolled away. Why was the stone rolled away? It wasn't for Jesus to get out. Jesus could go through walls, walk through everything. The stone was rolled away for them to get in. So they could see that his body was there no more. Because if the stone was still there, in their mind, he was still in there. So the stone was rolled away, not to let Jesus out, but to let the women in. So they could see 
that his body's gone, that he had been resurrected. Now they walk in and his body's not there and they're confused, they're wondering. They, they got all this spice and perfume they came to anoint his body again with. And it says this, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, <coughs> how many of you know when things don't make sense, we begin wondering? You know, they're wondering, why is this happening? What, what is going on? And that's where we have to be careful that we don't come to uh, uh, unreal, how can I say that? That we don't assume anything because they assumed he was dead and in there. And it, because of the turmoil and everything they've seen in life. But let me tell you something. God's a miracle-working God. He makes a way where there is no way. What was impossible with man, he made possible through Jesus Christ. He says, but when they entered, verse 3, when they entered, they did not find the body which they were looking for. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. This is believed to be angels, like I said. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? And that's where, that's where I, I kind of put it in a little slang messages. Uh, you know, the angels would have said to them, what you looking for? What y'all looking for over here? It, didn't he tell you he wasn't going to be here? Didn't he tell Why are you over here looking for the living among the dead? Didn't he tell you many times that he would be risen? Verse 6. They said, he is not here. He has risen. Then this next word is key. Remember. Remember. You see... Through the chaos and turmoil of this week that y'all have been going through, and everything you have witnessed, you've forgotten what the word of the Lord was. You've forgotten what he's told you. you he's told you he would rise, but that what you've seen, you said it's impossible. There's no way he's going to be risen. We've seen him in the tomb. We've seen him there. We're coming today to bring the spices and the oil because we still think he's there. But we're going to need some help to roll away that stone so we could get to his body. But God said, oh, I'm already going to move that out of the way so you could come in and see he's not here. He said, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified, and on the third day, raised again. Then they remembered his words. Then they remembered his words. And this is what I want to tell you this morning, that why it's so important to read and get God's word inside of you every day. It's to remind us, through the turmoil and chaos, the promises of God to us. Because we're going to go through so much that, that we forget what his word says and we begin believing just what we see and we're no longer walking in faith. But can I tell you that all God wants you to do is to live by faith. All God wants is to be believed. All God wants is for you to live by faith. 
All God wants is for you to trust him. All God wants is you to believe the one who can tell no lie and there is no lie in him. All God wants you to do is not believe the father of all lies that speaks no truth. See, there's three places you're going to hear from. You're going to hear from God through his word. Don't, and again, don't ever tell me God is quiet as long as your Bible's closed. This is the number one way God speaks to you is through his written word that's already there. It changes not. You hear through God from his word. You hear from yourself. And you hear from the enemy. Right in the garden, Adam and Eve heard from the enemy. Then they listened to themselves and they disobeyed God. Here, they're going to the tomb. It's not, it doesn't say that the enemy came in and started messing with their mind or this, but what they had physically seen, what they had experienced, made them come to the conclusion in their mind that Christ was still in the tomb. But how many of you know the only one that was right was the Father? The only one that was right was the Word of God that says on the third day he shall rise. On your papers, you'll see this. God finds no satisfaction in anything outside of faith. Listen to this statement. God finds no satisfaction in anything outside of faith. Look at Hebrews 11, chapter, six, uh, ch chapter 11, verse 6, I'm sorry. Notice what it says. And without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because God finds no satisfaction in anything but our faith. Anything but trusting him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And part of that reward, the biggest reward is his eternity in heaven with him. That we have washed, that our sins have washed, been washed away through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Just want to take us to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to kind of go in reverse here. I'm going to start reading from the bottom of the chapter working my way back toward the uh, beginning of the chapter. Notice what Paul says, and, and what I'm talking about here is tying this in to where uh, God finds no satisfaction outside of faith. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, through Christ, the amen, now that word amen translates, let it be so. So through him, through Christ, let it be so, is spoken by who? Us, to the glory of God. In other words, let it be so. When, when we're worshiping uh, the blessings and things and we're saying amen, singing that, I don't want to sing because it's going to be horrible. But when we're singing amen, we're singing let it be so, let it be so, let your blessings come upon me, upon my family and their children and their children. Amen. Let it be so. It means believing in faith that we speak the amen. 
that brings glory to God. Remembering his promises. No matter what we're going through, we need to remember it's his promises that are true. Not what we believe, not what we see, not no preconditioned assumption that we make in our life. It's God's will. Amen. So let's back up to verse 9. Notice what Paul says here. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Okay, let me translate to you, that to you. We ran into a whole bunch of trouble. We ran into a mess. <laughs> Coronavirus, uh, whatever virus you got <laughs> uh, going around. We ran into a lot of things. He says, oh, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But notice what it goes on to say. But this happened. What we thought was horrible, that was the sentence of death. It says, this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You see, it's times that are and situations that we go through that we realize we're helpless and we need a Savior. And this is what I want to say right now. Uh, I don't know if, how many of you had seen Governor Cuomo out of New York make a statement when the cases were going down that he had the, oh, I don't know what you want to call it. He stated that the cases went down not because of God, not because of prayer, but because of people. That's totally against this scripture here. And he is, I, I, I pray for them and I pray that everyone, that it disappears from there. But it's like, boy, I hope the judgment of God does not come against that man for that statement. Denying that God is moving in his city. Denying that God would have, but making, you see what he done is he made people the idols. He made people, we're controlling this, not God. It is God who is in control. It says, indeed we felt we received the uh, sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And I, I love this. He says, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. It doesn't say that we're not going to go through something else. He says, but whatever else we go through, he's going to deliver us from that too. It doesn't say he's going to keep you from going through peril. It doesn't mean he's going to keep you from having trouble. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And this is what Paul's saying. No matter what we go through, we know we're going to hang on to his promises that are yes and amen, and we're going to believe him. We're not going to let what we see dictate what we believe. We're going to believe the word of God. Then it goes on to say uh, that he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope. It's him that we're trusting, not man. It's him that we're trusting. We set our hope on him that he will continue to, to deliver us as you help us. And I, I, verse 11, I would just add at the beginning where he tells them, as you help us by your prayers. And I just put that in the end that you realize that there is something we have to do, and that is pray. Okay? God is in complete control, but the Bible does say faith without works is dead. 
We trust God. We have faith in God. But our work is to pray. That's what we need to do. We pray and God moves. Amen. Amen. We take, let me just stop here for a second. Take all precautions that they're giving you. If you feel you need to wear a mask, if, if you feel you need to wear a mask, don't feel condemned that you don't have faith in God. You know, there's so much super spiritual people that think, oh, you know, that it won't touch me. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, we trust God and I trust God that it won't happen. But you know what? When you go to the highway to walk across a busy highway, God expects you to look uh, up the bayou and down the bayou for those that are here. <laughs> or look both ways before you cross the street. And you, you can't just say, I'm going to just go walk across the street and God's just going to protect me. I don't have to look if traffic's coming. The Bible says, do not put the Lord God to the test. Okay? So we know what we can do. Faith with works. Okay? Faith without works is dead. We, we trust God. We believe in for his divine protection. And we're going to do what we need to do. We're going to pray. We're going to take the precautions. We'll wash our hands. Amen. And if you don't believe that, you know, it boy, I could get going. If you don't believe that, go lick every uh, person that's going into the hospital and say, oh, God's going to protect me. I won't catch coronavirus. <laughs> okay, <laughs> where are we at here? Here we go. Verse, uh, we'll go over to verse 1 and uh, 2 through 5. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. And this, this is kind of backwards with, with how Paul had spoken in uh, in Second uh, Corinthians 1. I, I've started from verse 20 and then working my way up. But he's saying, grace and peace to you from our, uh, from our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I just, I want everyone just to stretch your hands toward me right now. And I just want to speak that over, to, over you. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. God is a compassionate God. And he says, and the God of all comfort. So I want you to circle uh, compassion and comfort in your Bible. And he says that this God that is full of compassion and full of comfort, he says he comforts us in all of our troubles. Now notice it doesn't stop there. It's a, it gives a reason why God comforts you. God comforts us, he says, so that we can comfort those, so that we could comfort others in any trouble uh, with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You see, everything God gives you, it's not for you to hold yourself, it is to share with others. Remember last week, we talked uh, when we done Holy Communion, Jesus says, take this bread and divide it amongst you. Whatever God gives you, it is to share and minister. You are to be a funnel to distribute what God has given you. And it says that the God of peace and comfort comforts you so you could share that comfort with others in this time. <coughs> so we'll, we'll tie back in to where we started. We're going to go to verse 9, Luke chapter 24, verse 9. This is right after the angel said, then they remembered what uh, Jesus had told them. So what do they do? Thinking about how, how it says to go try and comfort people. When they came back from the tomb, the women that came back, they had just spoken to the angel and said, why do you look for the living among the uh, uh, dead? 
It says, remember the things I've told you. It says, they told all these things to the eleven. Now, the eleven is his disciples, apostles, not counting Judas, who had hung himself already after he betrayed Jesus, to the eleven. So there was eleven, not twelve at the time. Now, surely you would think Jesus' inner core would believe the message they tell them. But this is where I want to, again, how life situations, what we see, can affect what we believe and we'll miss the truth of God. Verse 10 says, It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. So all these women had went down to the tomb that morning. They've seen all that. They come back and they tell Jesus' uh, apostles. But verse 11 says, But they did not believe the women. Why? Because their words seem like nonsense to them. Because their words did not line up with what they seen, with what they witnessed, with what they experienced. But you see, that's walking by sight and not by faith. Verse 12 says, then Peter, who didn't want Jesus washing his feet, then he wanted Jesus washing his whole body. <laughs> what Jesus had told him, you don't understand now, but later you will. Notice what happens. Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Why? Because he was curious. He wasn't sure Jesus was alive. And we'll see as we keep reading. He says, bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what happened. See, I think as he was wondering, he began recalling the words of Jesus. It says, I'm washing your feet. You shall remember. You don't know now, but then you shall remember. Then you shall know. And he began remembering. Again, Peter went on to do great works for the Lord that he trusted in preaching about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know he came that as the words of God started going, the words that Jesus has spoke to him, he reflected on those and realized that he is alive. Amen. And I want to tell you, it's not just last Sunday on Easter Sunday that he's alive. He's alive every day of the week. Amen. 365 days a year. If you've never accepted the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, I just want to give you an opportunity to do that here today. See, it's very simple. We've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. But God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world to die, to wash us, to die on the, on the cross, shed his blood as a sacrificial lamb for us. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. But by believing that God loves you so much and accepting what Jesus has done on the cross and believing he's alive today, your sins could be forgiven. So I just say this simple prayer with me today. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'll fall short of your glory. And I need your help. I need a Savior. I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross, 
because you loved me so much to wash away my sins. And I believe that he's alive again, that he is seated at your right-hand side, and I invite him and the Holy Spirit to come into, the lo- into my heart and make me born again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Again, next weekend, Brother Jerry Griffin's going to be speaking. It is just online only, uh, but I want to encourage you to get ready to watch online next week. Stay tuned for um, May if it changes. Maybe we'll be at 50 on May. May We may and we may not. So just stay there. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great afternoon. Remember, 1 o'clock, Children's Church, New Generations will be uh, streaming their service. God bless you.